0: All the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. Welcome back to the Below the Yellow Line podcast birthday edition. Yes, it's my birthday. turned 24 today here on November 14th, 2022. I'm your host, Joseph Landy Pavon. alongside me. Welcome back my co-host, Steve Rada. Welcome back to... This show, and we got a lot to talk about. We have some Formula One World Endurance Championship and other races to talk about, such as the Macau Grand Prix and um, the Snowball Derby. We got a, a race in Florence about to take place in the Super Late Miles. Like I said, the Snowball Derby's coming up. We have the South Carolina 400. We got more races to talk about. One more weekend in Supercars, um, one more weekend in Formula One as well as other endurance championships such as the 24-8 Series and the Intercontinental GT Challenge. We'll get to all that. We are going to talk about some NASCAR city season, as well as some other motorsports-related content regarding the 2023 schedules and what to expect in the next calendar year. But let's get started with um, what happened yesterday. It's Sao Paulo at Interlagos. Finally, 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 George Russell can call himself a Formula 1 Grand Prix winner and mercedes Gets one out of the bag in 2022. Boo. <laughs> Why did it take so long, Steve, for Mercedes to get it done this year after being just so good every single season prior to this? Today, they're just having their off year this year. I still think it's the growing pains to reality in Formula 1 that they haven't faced in a long time of having to catch up with other teams. Yep. It's Pretty much. I see it. And it's kind of funny. You think that by now, Russell will be okay, Hamilton will be okay. When Mercedes is not okay, they usually get out of it fine. They'll live, and that's all. But it just was like this year has been the outlier. It seemed like they could never break the glass ceiling between second and first. Sometimes they take third place if they're the best of the top tier Red Bull and Ferrari drivers, but this was just an outlier. Ferrari. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they got a lot to be excited about. We'll get to them in a second here, but as far as Formula one's concerned, that's anything but the case. Um But yeah, the Brazilian Grand Prix, uh you know how how big of an atmosphere that is. Um no doubt. In Sao Paulo, it uh, I don't, you know, uh Juan Carlos Paque, also known as Interlagos, uh, one of my favorite facilities to, to say the least. Um this was a sprint race weekend. We're going to bring that up in a bit. But Kevin Madison wins his first career pole position in qualifying. Uh, the first ever pole for Haas F1. After seven years of competition, they finally step on top of the qualifying list. it
1: has been really seven years?
0: Yeah, since 2016, if you oh, count that. Damn. Um, we got to see an American team on top their qualifying. But one problem... This was a sprint weekend. It would only count into the record books your pole position. What does that mean? Win the sprint to win pole and stay there for the main race. Ooh. And a lot of fans can agree with that, Steve. I the sprint races have been very much <laughs> – Formula 1 teams, they just not—they don't like the sprints, it seems.
1: I want to see Haas on that pole. I did not get to see him on that pole.
0: They may have won the pole, but the purpose of the pole position didn't apply this weekend. Yes. George Russell went on to win the sprint race, which placed his Mercedes on pole position for the actual starting grid of the race. And he led every single lap except for them to score his first career win at last. We knew this was coming. Uh, we just didn't think it would t- it'd take this long, especially after that one-off he did replacing the COVID-ill Lewis Hamilton in 2020 at ba- or, uh, Sakir in Bahrain during one of the filler races. He almost won that round. And to think about it, like, wow, if he was in that seat, if he ran just another, another race or two, he could have very well been on top of the podium. He did things in Williams' equipment, pretty poor equipment, I'd say, that no driver has ever done before. He broke a streak of uh, pointless seasons for Williams, you name it, he's done it. Remember, he got that second place running in the Controversial Belgian Grand Prix last year. Could have won pole, and If he did win pole, he probably would have won that race. But in the end, it, it's finally his, and it's his trophy to keep. George Russell gets his first crew win, and how about that for Mercedes? 1-2, very fitting for them after the year they had to have something to be proud of this year. With a Lewis Hamilton second, a 1-2 finish. Third place with Carlos Sainz Jr. rounding up the podium in a Ferrari, followed by his teammate, Charles Leclerc, in fourth place. George Russell, by the way, did get the fastest lap point with his win. That lap was on lap 61, 10 laps from the finish. Fifth place was Fernando Alonso, showing everybody that the veteran, he'll just drive like he's been, you can never stop him. He's just incredible. Max Verstappen, after a very controversial race, does finish in the points in sixth place. The uh, season champion still finding a way to get him and his team that won the championships of Red Bull. Double points with his teammate Sergio Perez in seventh. Esteban Ocon in eighth. Valtteri Bottas. Well done for him in ninth. And how about Lance Stroll? The Canadian rounds up the points positions, finishing in tenth. Now, it didn't come without controversy for sure after what he did in the sprint race to his teammate Sebastian Vettel. But point is a point, And this was very well done. Let's see who fell out of the points. Yes, that was Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Joe Guan Yu. Mick Schumacher. Pierre Gasly. Alex Albon, Nicholas Latifi, Yuki Tsunoda, Lando Norris, Kevin Magnussen, and Danny Ricardo. Norris, Magnussen, and Ricardo are the three drivers failing to finish the race. And because Magnussen actually, though know, he won the poll, had to start the race eighth from the grid. And he was in that incident, he was wiped down in the first lap with Ricardo. Very unfortunate, but still a huge accomplishment to see what Kevin Magnussen was able to do. Just for, let's not forget. That was supposed to be Nikita Masman behind the wheel of that car this year. If it wasn't for what happened in Russia, yep.
1: let's not get into that.
0: Now. We're not getting into that. and I'm glad we didn't have the podcast during that time, I'd say for sure. But you know the obvious. He was pull- had to be pulled out of the seat. The sponsorship of Yurkili was gone. Family-owned sponsorship, by the way. They rang the phone of endurance driver at the time, Kevin Magnuson, who was driving uh, Cadillacs for uh, Chip Ganassi Racing in IMSA. He only managed to run, run one race, which was the Rolex 24 that year. And Magnussen's first race back since the, round, the final round in 2020, not only did he get Hoster first points since 2020, but he finished a P6 at Bahrain. Now, how's that for a driver? He's not a bad, he's someone that all he needs is good equipment, and you'll be blown away. Just like his father when he ran in Formula One. The Dang's got talent, and he's got a lot of years left. Just someone, give him a damn chance. Now, speaking of Magnussen, we just learned a few moments before going live that his teammate Mick Schumacher is out of a ride in Formula One. He'll be replaced by a fellow veteran in Nico Hulkenberg. Steve, tell us about that.
1: I, I honestly don't know, because uh, Schumacher, Haas, yeah, it's Ferrari, uh, Ferrari uh, affiliation, but unless they're putting, Nico- putting Schumacher in the Ferrari ride for next year, I really don't know what's going on.
0: Steve, this tells me more than two things about Mick Schumacher, and it's pretty sad that he's no longer part of the Ferrari Driver Academy in Formula One, considering that you know he's son of the great Michael, and you've seen what Michael was uh, did in his time with Ferrari, when those five straight championships just, like, it was a, it's like in another dimension kind of statistic there, but, you know, I think Ferrari dropped a big ball here in Mick Schumacher, and yeah, we're going to say, oh, well, it's going to hurt Mick Schumacher's Formula 1 career, yeah, that's true, but Ferrari, not Ferrari, but you get the point, like the FDA, the the whole Ferrari system, they're going to have Nico Hulkenberg, but it's not like he's going to be in there. he He's not the Nico Hulkenberg we had 10, 9, 8 years ago. Obviously, Father time's going to catch up to him, and he might be good for a few races, or as we've seen from many other teams in the past few years, especially with the pandemic. As a filler driver, Nico Hulkenberg is going to take over this role. I don't know if that's good long-term. I think, if anything, now for Mick Schumacher... A lot of people have these questions on hand for what to expect for Mick's future as a race car driver. If Ferrari somehow wants to keep him, and I don't know if Mick would agree to that, especially if they're losing a Formula One seat, or maybe losing the affiliation and all that being released from Haas, he could drive the hypercar in the World Endurance Championship. Ooh, that'd
1: be interesting.
0: Oh, it sure would. Michael only ran a handful of races in the 24 Hours of Le Mans, never managed to win that one. Um, back when he drove for Cyber Mercedes, had the affiliation. That was before Shumi's time in Formula One began. But you never know. Maybe there's an opening there that we're not aware of, maybe GT Racing, something along those lines. What about another manufacturer could pick him up in said series of the World Endurance Championship or the uh, IMSA WeatherTech Championship, maybe ELMS? You never know um sometimes if you want to run without being too loyal to a manufacturer just run an lmp2 team they're all running orcas unless proven otherwise because the specs have just really been all orca in those last few years the other manufacturers slowly faded away but you never know and that's the thing about uh sports car receipt. but as for mick schumacher i'm really disappointed that this is where it's turned down to he's not a bus he's not a bad driver people say well, we'll Mick's a bad driver. He's not a bad driver. He's just... He's just in equipment. And bad equipment, and he's just not having luck. It's just not his year. It's not his time. His time will come, but it's not right now. So we have one more round to go. The tripper, the America's uh, portion of the F1 season that began in Austin, went to Mexico City, and ended up in Sao Paulo has come to an end. They will go directly west overseas across the Pacific and Indian Ocean to the Middle East, in the United Arab Emirates, to Abu Dhabi, where the season will close for 2022 in the Formula One World Championship. This weekend marks the end of the year, and uh, it's hard to believe we've reached that point, but what a season it's been. We've already got our champions clinched in drivers and constructors, but we still have some other positions on hand that we can't forget about. You know, yeah, first place matters, but what about second, third, fourth? Charles Leclerc had a great race yesterday. In fact, he's tied with Sergio Perez at 290 points. They are level. If the season were to end after yesterday, Leclerc would be credited with second. Yeah. That's because he has more wins than Perez. Leclerc having three wins compared to Perez's one. George Russell is 15 points. Actually, 25 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is 14 points ahead of Carlos Sainz Jr. Um, Lando Norris sits in seventh. Nice, secure. I don't think it's reachable for anyone behind Lando Norris to take a spot. Esteban Ocon sits in eighth, ahead of his teammate. That's a five-point difference. Fernando Alonso, ninth. And how about Valerie Botas just overpowering in that Sauber Alfa Romeo equipment in tenth, uh, sitting at 49 points. Let's just go down the order while we got the opportunity because we have Mm one more race to go. Sebastian Vettel, could he finish his farewell year in the top 10 in points? Um, it could be possible. 49-36, it's not big of a difference. Well, no, no, no. But he could also lose it very fast. One point behind him is Daniel Bocardo, and this might be his farewell year. You never know. Kevin Magnussen in 13th. Lance Stroll, or Pierre Gasly 14th. Lance Stroll 15th. Mick Schumacher 16th. Tied, but one spot above. Yuki Tsunoda 17th. Uh, Guanyu Zhou in or Joe Guanyu in 18th place, Alexander Albon and Nicholas Latifi rounding out uh, the points. Nick DeVries has two points to his name when he finished ninth at the Italian Grand Prix in 21st, and Nico Hulkenberg last in 22nd with zero points, um, running the first two races for the ill Sebastian Vettel. World Constructors Championship, as we know, it's Red Bull clinched he they clinched it at uh, yeah uh, two rounds ago. 719 points in clear air, just a great championship season that, that they've had. Um, second place is Ferrari, 524 points, not too far ahead of Mercedes with 505 points. They definitely pushed really hard so that they can snatch second. It's still possible. After yesterday's race, they can possibly get it. It's mathematically a, a possibility. They sit third at 505. Way down in Fortin, the 67 points is Alpine Renault, the French brand. Could get snatched fourth place by McLaren-Mercedes, but that double retirement, you can't guarantee it for your opponents to have happen again at 148 points. It could have very well taken over that spot had they not have the double retirement, that's for sure. Way down 55 points, knowing they cannot go above sixes. Alfa Romeo, Sauber Ferrari, 55 points. Five points ahead of Aston Martin, Aramco, Mercedes at 50 points. Um, Haas, Ferrari, we need a miracle to get above uh 8th in the World Constructors' Championship at 37 points. Um, AlphaTauri Red Bull, powertrains in nine, 35 points and in 10. Two points po- away from possibly getting double digits. The only team with single-digit points is Williams Mercedes at 8. So there you have it. Uh, one more round to go. And uh, were you surprised by anything this year, Steve? I mean,
1: Formula 1. Yeah, the only surprising thing was Hoskane the pole, honestly. That was a surprising thing, I would have to say.
0: Yeah, no doubt. they uh, r- That was a job of that in the rain. Just great timing, good lap, great but, skill. Out of-
1: but again, that sprint race is like, it was a great moment, but it didn't last.
0: No, I want to talk about the topic of sprint races because. You know, the rumors saying that we might have, they have not released what races will have the sprint rounds next year. We only had three last year. We only had three this year, but there's rumors that can say there'll be as much as five or 10 sprint races. Or they might say three. Personally, I'd like to see zero sprint races in Formula One. Leave that to the junior series, leave that to, you know, the lower levels where they're spec racing and stuff like that.
1: And before one of them is uh, Miami.
0: I would not like to see that. And and the, the detractor with sprint racing is it takes away the, the ethic and the authenticity of a race. Sprint races, the only thing that a sprint race has done or that I have noticed is creates the anxiety and stress for teams, manufacturers, drivers, crew members, you name it. And why is that? This is a race situation. This is not an extra practice. It's not a, a different style of qualifying. This is putting all the drivers on the grid like it's an actual race where it doesn't mean as much as the real race does unless you finish in the top spots. But the risk of getting wrecked is there. Is that good for the sport? No, not really. It's really not. You know, coming from NASCAR fans here. That pretty much we began our racing love with NASCAR. We've seen a lot of changes heading into this direction of entertainment-based. The the well-being of the teams and drivers coming last is I don't know. I feel like this is this takes a this takes away the good the feel-good story of Kevin Magnuson on pole. When you win pole, you win pole so that you can start first on the grid on race day. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And this was my worry when they started counting polls on sprint weekends during the qualifying session and not during the winner of the sprint race like it was in 2021. If you won the sprint race in twenty you'd be given the pole position. Now, if you win poll, you are given the pole position, but you're not cap- guaranteed to start there. Correcto. And it's based on where you finish in the sprint race. That That's very silly in my opinion. It's just the sport doesn't need this. We don't need more red cars. It's already bad enough with the economy we have. I think I mean if we haven't learned already. We're setting ourselves up for something bad to happen. It's just I don't know. Keep that crap for Formula Two, Formula Three, and all that other series. For the companion races on Saturdays. For the Porsche Cups. Not for Formula One. This is Grand Prix racing. I don't want to see it, and maybe I'll be proven wrong in the future, but for now, I'm not a fan of it, it's just, it's not, it's not worth it. Um, By the way, fun fact, uh, this is the first ever time. When George Russell won, that the playing of God Save the King commenced when he oh, won no. because of the death of the Queen. Now, from 1952 was the second year in Formula One, but no no uh, British driver ever won a Grand Prix before Queen Elizabeth took reign. Fun fact. Um, so that was the first ever time God Save the King was played at the end of the years. So anyhow, that's Formula One. Now let's talk about another world championship, one that just ended.
1: Oh no, the World Endurance Championship.
0: Just came to a close this year um, with the eight hours of ball This was round six of six to close the 2022 FIA World Endurance Championship, the 10-year anniversary of the modern edition of the World Endurance Championship. Formerly known as the World Sports Car Championship, World Championship of Manufacturers, Drivers, Teams. It's really a big, uh, big deal of what's to come in sports car racing, but we have to close the curtain on their dress rehearsal of what's going to be on the track next year by what happened in the Bahrain 8 hours um, in Bahrain International Circuit and it started in a really hot sun, sunny day it very, very dry conditions as you would expect around that place in the world yep but one thing that sets Bahrain apart from other races on the calendar is when the sun set it was just as hot as it was when the race started now, think about that for a minute. You think the sun is down. Okay, you can take the jacket off the pits. No. Or you or, or think you can put a jacket on in the pits. Or, like, you can relax. No. You still need the fan to blow right next to you. It's hot in the car. The tires, are, it puts to so much pressure. And not to mention, you're out there for eight hours with your two co-drivers and your team that can't take a break at all. 37 cars took the start of the race. Um, so, the hypercars, um, we know... The world championship came to an end uh, for 2022. Toyota finished their championship season on top with a 1 2 finish, number seven. How about Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez for Toyota Gazoo Racing in the GR 010 Hybrid winning, completing 245 laps? The sister car won or won the world championship. We'll talk about those three in a bit. Uh, Sebastian Buemi, Brandon Harley, Rio Hirakawa completing 245 laps as well. With a gap of 45 seconds apart, so the lap times were around 1 minute 50 seconds. That's a big gap, I'd say, between yeah. two competitive cars.
1: Yes, it really is. Back to what you were speaking about with Toyota. To be honest, I, I honestly think they need a nerf the Toyotas. Their their BO balance of power they have, they're just blowing away the competition. I
0: honestly still think they've been sandbagging. Maybe. Usually that's what teams do in the last race of the year because the big BOP re-evaluations are going to take place. I think taking place right now as we speak because the year is done, new season's aboard. If you're if you showing to be too good, the team might look at you and say, hey, we got to do something about that. We've been
1: needing to do something about that throughout this whole entire season and nothing was ever done. And what
0: about the season before that, even in the LMP1 era? Because like Toyota, the problem with this, is the whole BOP thing, is that Toyota's had a lack of competition.
1: I don't mind Toyota being good and being up there, but they're just the dominant car. Mm-hmm. There's nothing what else can we really do to solve this?
0: Well, I think what's gonna happen is next year, we'll we'll see what happens because that's when that's when it's all gonna come down to uh show times next year. We have the L M D H configuration is gonna be in effect. And- yes and these new teams that are finally coming in, they're going to start racing now. Toyota's going to have a lot more on their plate. And I think that, like, this might be a changing the guards. We don't know yet. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. we got a race to talk about. Alpine, they could have won the World Championship. Um, they're going to sit out next year.
1: Alpine or Alpine?
0: Al- <laughs> Alpine, you know. The Renault team. Andre Negro, Nicolas Lapierre, Matthew Vaxibirre. They won the opening round at Sebring, which I was gladly able to watch that in person, but... They finished two laps behind just, you know, the best team now, rivaling French brand Peugeot in their third race as a returning team. Finished fourth overall in the nine exit, completing 239 laps. Two laps above the LMP2 class winner. How about Team WRT, Sean Gallail, Robin Fiennes, Rene Rast, taking the win in the Oracle 7. completing 237 laps. The only other car to finish on the same lap as the class winner was number 23 United Autosports team with alex Lynn, ollie jarvis josh pearson and rounding out the class point,ing we had jota sport how about the champions for 2022 for jota sport they're gonna move up to the top class next year in porsche oh no roberto gonzalez antonio felix da costa and will stevens now antonio felix da Costa, he now gets a formula e championship and a world endurance championship to his name well done uh just to round out the top five in the LMP2 class, we had Prema number 9 with Kubica, Della Traza, Colombo, and Real Team by WRT, the other WRT car, Avui Andrade, Philippe Habsburg, and Norman Nato running at the top 5 in P2. Um, the Pro Am award for LMP2 Pro Am did go to uh, number 83, of course, with Francois Parado, the owner driver, Nicholas Nielsen, and Alessio Rivera. Talk about the GTs. This was the swung sun race of the LMGTE Pro class. Um, yep. And Ferrari got the job done. Number 52. And, of course, Ferrari finishing 17th overall. Gets the GT Class uh, Pro win. A whole lap over the competition in the category with drivers Miguel Molina and Antonio Fiocco. One lap over second place car. Number 64, Corvette Racing. The Pratt & Miller Corvette bunches in yellow and red, white, and blue with drivers Tommy Milner and Nick Tandy finishing second. Porsches, the Porsche GT team. of 92, running at the class podium with Michael Christensen, Kevin Estra, and number uh, 91, finishing in fourth in the category. Fifth, pla- <laughs> Fifth place, dude, can you believe it? Fifth place, this car had missing gears, still finished behind the car ahead in the category, even though it was a few laps off, to win the championship, number 51, and of course, a Ferrari, world, cl- world champions for GT drivers. Alessandro Pierrotty and James Klauck at the job jam for AF Corsa and the Scuderia at a Maranello Ferrari, world champions, 2022.
1: Come on, man. You guys say you're correct. It's Ferrari.
0: It's Ferrari. And by the way, some of those drivers, we know they're going to be going into that hypercar seat next year. So maybe there's a bit of internal battles as well to see who's the best of the Ferrari guys to get a seat.
1: That is what we should wait till next week's podcast. Let's see Probably. who might determine.
0: Right. One more class to talk about is the other GT uh, LMGT class. The LMGT AM class was one. Um, GTLM? Uh, GTAM, number 46. Um, how about number 46? T-Project 1, they actually finished first and second. Um, Nicola Luttweiler out of uh, Switzerland with the co-drivers um, Matteo Cairoli and Mikael Pedersen. Finishing above number 56, Team Project 1 Porsche, the sister car, 1-2 finish. So number 56 uh, drivers, Philip Hyatt, Gunnar Jeanette, and Ben Barnico, two Americans and a Brit. Rounding that up, uh, Porsche 1-2. Third place goes to uh, Ferrari's uh, number 85, the Iron Lynx Iron Dames uh, girls of Ralph Fari, Michelle Gutting and Sarah Bovey, the all-female trio, finishing the last three races on class podium. The How about this? The top seven in LMGT Amp all finished on the same lap as the class winner, 226. It was very competitive there, Steve.
1: Oh, yes. It definitely was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It just uh, shows you how incredible of. It's uh, incredible stuff that we've seen out of, out of all the drivers in this race. And it's just. Even in these conditions, you know, it, it was phenomenal to see. The, the checkered flag is out. World mm-hmm. Endurance Championship is over for 2022. Now we got to talk about next year, but let's first. We got hardware to hand out, the championships. Um, we'll start by the World Championships. So, the, the, one, the championships are considered uh, the FIA World Championship caliper. For, so that's Hypercar and uh, LMGTE Pro. So congratulations to Brendan Hartley, Rio Hirakawa, and Sebastian Boyle, driver drivers of number eight Toyota. They are your 2022 FIA World Endurance Champions. With a difference of five points over the Alpine Trio of uh, Andre Negraro, Nicolas Lapierre, and Maxime Levesquevierre at 144 points. Third place goes to them were 7 Toyota, Jose Maria Lopez, Kamei Kobayashi, and Mike Conway, and the rest are all teams of drivers consisting of part-timers. Final standings for the 2022 Hypercar FIA World Endurance Manufacturers Championship, Toyota win at 186 points. Alpine sits second with 144 points. Glickenhaus, the Americans, in third at 70 points. And Peugeot are fourth with 42 points, as third and fourth did not run the entirety of the season. Now to the other world championship. Congratulations to Alessandro Guidi and James Colado. They stuck it out and got it done for Ferrari and AF Corsa. At 135 points, they win the championship. The World FIA World Endurance Drivers' Championship for LMGCE Drivers. 135 points. Well done to the Ferrari duo. Second place, Kevin Estre and Michael Christensen for Porsche. Third place, the other Ferrari duo of Antonio Fiocco and Miguel Molina. Fourth place is Jimmy Bruni. One spot over his co-driver. who didn't run all the races. Richard Leitz in fifth. The Corvette duo do finish sixth together in the driver's championship. Now, for the 2022 LMGT FIA World Endurance Manufacturers Championship, Ferrari, get it done. The Manufacturers Trophy goes to Ferrari at 269 points, Porsche in second with 257 points, and Chevrolet in third at 102 points. So now, those are our world champions. Let's talk about the FI Endurance Trophies, uh, which go to the LMP2 and LMGTM classes. Start off with LMP2 and the P2 Pro-Am. We'll start with overall P2. Congratulations, Antonio Da Costa wins another championship in his already spectacular career. Roberto Gonzalez, a veteran, and Will Stevenson, three veterans, showing that they are not done anytime soon. Robin Fry, Sean Galail in second, Josh Pearson, 16 years young, Ollie Jarvis, his co-driver, Ferdinand Hopsberg, Norman Nato, Rui Andrade, and Lorenzo Colombo, Louis Del Trust, and Robert Cooper said so they ran out your top five. Um, let's go on and talk about the teams Number 38, Jota Sport, Get it done at 137 points Second place is number 31 WRT at 116 points Three points above The Number 23, United Autosports Team Team WRT, uh by Real Team At 96 points Two points over Prema Orland Team In fifth for the top five In LMP2 teams So as I said before There's a pro Award to this Congratulations to AF Corsa. Francois Parado, Alessio Rivera, Nicholas Nielsen at 177 points win the Pro Am Championship. They get an invitation to Le Mans next year on that basis. James Allen, Renee Binder, Stephen Thomas in second, Francois Giraud, Jean Baptiste, and Mathieu Lahaye at 129 points. Um, in third, Miroslav Konopka by himself in fourth, Matthias Bichet in fifth at 48 points. Final team standings: There were only five that uh, only four that participated in the program, and of course, a clear championship: 177 points. Algarve Pro Racing at 154. Team Ultimate in third with 129, and ARC Bratislava, which they missed two races, uh, 78 points for them. One more category to uh, shout out: that being the. LMGT championships pro is gone for next year, but LMGT will stay in yeah. 23 for one more year before they go, they move on to GT threes. Everyone all together, Ben Keating and Marco Sorensen. How about the veterans? Ben Keating, Marco Sorensen and the Aston Martin duo get the job done at 141 points. They are champions. David Pitar, Nikki, Tim, Paul, Dallalana, and second, a sister team for Aston Martin and second, Henrik Chavez by himself in uh Third, Ryle Frye by herself in fourth, so 141 for Keating and Sorsen, 118 for Patard, Tim, and Dalalana, 113 points for uh, Chavez, 93 points for Ryle Frye, one point over Michelle Gatsing and Sarah Bobi. Those ladies missed one, at least one race because Ryle Fry ran all the races. Uh, so there is that. Final top five sayings I'll read off for the LMGTE AM class championship. Number 33, TF Sport, Aston Martin, get it done, over the number 98, Aston Martin Racing, Aston Martin. Number 85, Iron Lynx, Iron Dames, Ferrari at 93 points. Uh, Number 77, Dempsey Proton Racing, Porsche, 83 points. And in fifth, number 46, Team Project 1, Porsche at 71. So that's it. That's the end of 2022. And with 2023 coming around, think about Daytona, Le Mans, Sebring, some of these other races, Spa, now we got teams that could go for the overall win in both IMSA and WEC. It's only one, two and a half months from now.
1: Yeah, no. It's going to be crazy. You don't
0: get an off-season in this kind of racing. Sure you do. It's only a few months, all. And the thing is, there really isn't an off-season for teams like Porsche and Cadillac, considering next year that they're probably going to run... We know Penske and Porsche and Ganassi and Cadillac are set to run both championships, WEC and IMSA, full-time next year. Yep. Um, That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot of uh, sleepless nights they're signing up for. And uh, But the manufacturers want it. Great. This is racing, and it's at its finest um, two endurance racing championships to go. We have... One more round left at the end of the month, which is the 12 hours of Kuwait in the 24-H series. That season um, will close after that. One more round to go in the Intercontinental GT Challenge in Abu Dhabi for the goal of 12 hours on the second weekend of December. And then then the book closes for 22. But, wow. I'm like a kid on Christmas waiting for the Rolex 24, are you? Yeah, if I'm able to go, <laughs> I want. I I want to go to the Rolex just for what's happening in sports car racing. Like this isn't just any other year, Steve. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Like you can feel. Like I always feel energetic talking about this stuff because it's it's getting closer and closer to finally being real, and it's gonna be presented to us real soon. It's gonna be great.
1: Let's move on to wait. the next topic of stock
0: car racing. Yeah, we have got some stock car racing to talk about. Um, so. Mm. I have a lot of things that I wasn't able to talk about last week because for obvious reasons with the championship weekend. But during that time, we learned that Jimmy Johnson, seven time NASCAR Cup Series champion, is now partial owner of Petty GMS Motorsports. And not only that, he's signing up to race full time again, or not full time, part time for a select amount of races in the Cup Series. He's coming back to the NASCAR world as a driver. What does this mean to NASCAR?
1: That is a good question.
0: What about Jimmy? What does this mean to Jimmy Johnson? Is is are we about to see something very interesting that we haven't seen before? Possibly. What's on the menu? I'm so like I'm really energetic for for this to happen. We know for sure he's signed up to run the Daytona Five Hundred. We know Hendrick Motorsports is fielding a NASCAR Cup Series next-gen Chevrolet Camaro for the 24 Hours of the lines as a Garage 56 invitation. Yes. And we also know that Jimmy Johnson is the reigning Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year who has done about two seasons, one full-time in the IndyCar Series. He's already done endurance racing, a lot more endurance racing than he already did as a full-time Cup driver. Here we are. This here's, is well, huge. Oh,
1: yes. Here's one, Mike. Favorite topic so far about the early season, Haas, Sir Haas. Where, who's going to be driving the forty-one car for next year?
0: Shouldn't that be an easy answer if you're on the Haas side of things? Well,
1: you got your Ryan Priest or Cole Custer.
0: I feel like if Tony Stewart had it called Tony Stewart Racing, it would be Ryan Priest, and that'd be the end of it.
1: Yeah, but it's going to come down to being question of who's going to run it.
0: And I think because of it being Stuart Haas racing, it might be Cole Custer. He's the son of Joe Custer, who's been with the Haas group for a long time. Remember, this was Kyle Bush's potential spot in the team.
1: This also throws up, as well, a mixture of who's going to run from Rick Rare and uh, um, Life Fast Sports. Because if, uh, if they get a hold of Brian Priest in the 41, where's Custer going? Could he possibly go to Rick Ware? That would, would not end
0: well. That would not end well within the family. Oh yeah. But let's be real, Cole Custer. This is his third season in this Cup Series driver. It's just he ain't cutting it. Outside of his only win at in Kentucky and in his, in his rookie year and some other flashes of performance, I will say his race in Martinsville was very impressive. But
1: this year's lineup for the 500 is going to be looking weird. We got Jimmy Johnson running for Petty GMS. We have Austin Hill running for Beard More Sports. Zane Smith running for Front Row. Right. And we're still waiting to hear about what's going on with Helio Castanebes.
0: I think it's all but confirmed now that he would most likely drive for track house in the 91 car.
1: I uh, promise him a Daytona 500 ride. Let's see what happens.
0: I think that's a really... I mean, listen. We have only two drivers in history that's ever won, both Indianapolis and Daytona. And Kestri Ravas I mean, listen. We had Villeneuve run last year. He could very well make it... He's uh, also going to be racing this 500, too. Right. The Hesburg team... I actually talked with their holler driver when I was at Indianapolis. He says that any opportunity that comes with Villeneuve and Daytona, it's going to happen again. It's a good place to go. This is a dude from Montreal who has a lot of family down here, and it's February in the calendar year. You can tell. They would love—they want any reason to be in Florida in February to see Jacques run the Daytona 500 and the nice, sunny Daytona International Speedway. And I think, though, this year—or last year's attempt that Jacques ran wasn't the best— but he, did, he was the fastest of the go-or-go homers, which guaranteed him a spot in the 500 before the duels even started. And that was very impressive. I thought, you know, he had one job. Just put flat on the gas. He was in there during next-gen testing, which was a good sign of things to come. He kept the cars clean. That's a team that doesn't really have too many backup cars, if any.
1: Here's going to be the fun part, though. We're also tweaking the cars for next year. Because we're getting new noses on the cars. We're getting new rear ends on the cars. So here we go again. Okay, we're gonna have to figure out how the packages are going to work. Back to ground zero.
0: Yeah, but I think even though we moved back to squares, that like there's some other drivers. I think the inevitable announcement of Ty Gibbs going to the 18 is is yeah, so going to come. But, but I think we're all almost like like as a community, we've all kind of accepted the you know, well. That's pretty much where he's going to go. Unless proven otherwise. But I will say, is that um. Stuart Haas Racing, I'm a little worried about Tony Stewart and his side of things. Because if you think about SHR for a minute, um, Tony Stewart's not happy with the way NASCAR's doing things right now. He hasn't been like that for a while. In fact, you will if you go to an NHR race compared to a NASCAR race, if you go to enough races in 2022, or went, I should say because it's in the books, chances are you would have seen Tony at the NHR drag strip. Way more than you might have seen him at in the NASCAR garage. Now, granted, when I was there, I was able to find Tony Stewart at Daytona. He was actually part of the broadcast because I found the Fox stage, so I snuck right. past her for a little bit pre-race. But other than that, I don't see Tony run uh, wanting anything more at it. And this is my worry: I expect, I expect Gene Haas to take full ownership of the team in a year or two if things don't get any better within the sanctioning body of NASCAR or within Tony Stewart. And there's a lot of reasons for Tony not to be happy with the sport right now. He missed out on another really talented Kyle in Bush. Eric Almonro is staying again. Cole Custer is likely going to stay. I don't know if Tony is the biggest fan of Cole Custer, to be honest.
1: I don't think he is, honestly.
0: He lost a chance on Kyle Busch. Eric for only for Eric Almora to come back for just another year. No offense to him. I think maybe. And he, I think he's trying to push Ryan Priest to get to the Cup Series, and it's just not working. I mean, Almora was supposed to be out after this year for Priest to be in. Yeah. But he's back. And do you think Eric's gonna retire after 23 for sure?
1: It's all depends on sponsor. That's what's keeping him there. Is the
0: sponsor. And, and that's the thing because like he's got really good sponsorship dollars and seemed like he wasn't in that mode of like getting ready to leave anymore I knew when the middle of the year came around like, yeah, he's gonna stay he's got nothing to lose well he stays that could have been Priest's ride now granted Eric the thing is Sony had a chance at Kyle on two occasions with either the 10 or the 41 and he lost struck out on both of them When Kyle Busch was rumored not to go back to Gibbs in the summer portions of the year, everyone was pointing at Tony Stewart's SHR. Yeah. He got Kevin Harvick, and look what happened. Harvick did even better at SHR than he ever did at Childress. And now the powerhouse possibility is gone. And if you think about it, it's it's almost berserk that it went like that and— No offense to Cole Custer. He's a good guy. I met him in person on a few occasions when I was at the tracks. He's a good guy. Great guy. Good person. But I don't know if he's cutting out as far as Cole's concerned as a driver. I hope I'm proven wrong if that's the case, but I don't know. We'll never know. Anyhow, um... No, there's some rumors about Haley Deegan. Um, You got anything about that? Um, I'm thinking she's going to our Motorsports. Our Motorsports? I guess you're going to our... But they're a Chevy team. Isn't she a Ford driver? That's true. I'm worried about Ford here. They're not having too many developmental drivers coming through the ranks right now. Yeah. They they lost a truck team.
1: They lost a truck team to go to Toyota. Uh, Chevy just got a, a, a team being KBM. Also, the possible chance to imagine about Jimmy Johnson possibly driving for KBM at North Wilkesboro
0: or Dale Jr. That. Maybe sure have them have the three number be used. Wouldn't that be special? Jeffrey Earnhardt possibly. Maybe a Daytona. Usually he'll come around for the big races like that. There, there's so many things on, on the table now that this has happened. Kyle how is he going to do at uh, Childress in his first year? Do you expect... Anything out of that? Like I said
1: two podcasts ago, wait till after Daytona. And well, I'll give you an answer. Too early to tell, too early to tell. Because RCR has been one of those hit and miss teams.
0: Yep. But I feel like they're taking a route away from the pay drivers and going back to you know, some drivers of legitimate talent, like Tyler Reich like Daniel Hemrick, like some of these prior drivers, uh, Austin Hill, Sheldon Cree. I think Sheldon Cree could be a good fixture for the Xfinity Series program next year. Now, he had a bit of a few weak spots in his, being his first year. I expect really good performance out of Well, if Richard had no relations to Austin Dillon, I'll be honest,
1: let's put it this way, the three will still be retired, or, well, not even on track. And I could have seen Kyle Busch racing for RCR and Ty Reddick still being on the team. Right. Or even Daniel Hamrick. But because of Austin Dillon, he's not the greatest. We all know this.
0: You know, I was thinking, like, okay, if Reddick's leaving RCR, it's only going to be Ty Dillon coming in. I'm like, thank God it's not. Because the team was just not improved. Yeah. But. And then let's talk about Reddick and going to uh, 2311 racing This tells me 2311 Racing is not just some filler alliance team for Joe Gibbs Racing. In fact, they're now going to start using their own pit crews independently from JGR starting next year. So they're going to have their own separate, you know, bird's nest here.
1: Thank God. But also who's going to come in and sponsor Tyler Reddick? Because some of the sponsors that he has from RCR are staying with RCR. We
0: know Cheddar's not going with Reddick. 3G. That's
1: still up in the air.
0: Is that a personal sponsor of Reddick?
1: We believe is more of a team sponsor, but again, it's up in the air,
0: right? Um, but I mean, 2311 have a lot of good team sponsors as well. McDonald's, um, yes. will sponsor both teams. Uh, Monster sponsor Moneyline Driver, right? Drive Monster is more of like individualistic. I don't think they're gonna sponsor Reddick,
1: no. They're
0: the they're pro. Gonna. I expect Monster to be on an 18 Gibbs car,
1: that's gonna happen,
0: but that's for another story. Um, as far as the Gibbs Xfinity team, they're gonna have to. Take a look at Trevor Bain. Give him a chance. If he can run the full season, you'd be surprised. We might see a few wins in the bag. He did great at Homestead when we were there. Yeah. Won the pole there. He won the pole at Auto Club in his second ever start for the team. Yeah. On oh, first ever, I should say, because Drew, jo- Drew Dollar, uh, who drives with dollars in his pocket, wrecked out in Daytona mm-hmm. in that same car. <laughs> <laughs> he actually wrecked out on the same straightaway in both the Arca and Xfinity Series races that day I was there.
1: Oh, man.
0: But anyhow, one more race we're gonna, uh, uh, event we're gonna talk about, um, this, about this, uh, the weekend is a very special race called the Macau Grand Prix. It's held in a Chinese regional island called Macau. It's the gambling capital of the Asian world. Um, uh, but it's held think of if Las Vegas was located in Monaco. Oh, no. There you go. Now, unlike Monaco, another really tough, um, really tough street circuit, Macau is like Monaco on steroids with Baku mixed into it. Baku. Now, think about that for a minute. The Guia circuit, by the way, is, yes, there is Portuguese as part of the Maca- Macanese language well, with Chinese. The Greta Circuit has a... Straight, the first two straights are, like, with kinks. Wide, right, and like a normal track. You turn a few... Turn six and seven is singular. You can only go one car at a time through there. One bike at a time. Even, yeah, the bikes can't even make it. Work. Oh, Lord. Since 1954, this has been... Um, it's been a controversial race. Don't get me wrong. Um, but... The main race, of course, being the formula round, um, we've seen a lot of drivers, big-time names, like Schumacher winning it 90. Eduardo Martara winning it in uh, 2009-2010. Roberto Moreno, Ayrton Senna, was the first to win under Formula 3 regulations. Now, most wins... um, You just look at the names. Antonio Félix Lacasa. We just talked about him earlier. Or, what about the guy that won the last two races? Hanchio Charles Leong, a Macanese driver who drives for Smart Life Racing, part of the Chinese Formula 4 Championship. Could he go three in a row? Is it possible? Can Charles do it? And can someone give a damn chance on this guy? He's got... So much talent. Put him in a Formula 2 car one of these days. Give him an option. Next year when the Chinese Grand Prix comes back. Give him an opportunity to test the car. But, anyways, he's going for three in a row. And I feel like something big is about to happen. And hopefully we're not going to talk about the crashes. Because that's a dangerous track. We've seen a lot of crazy shit. At least the motorcycle race is back for the first time since 2019. When the COVID thing hit China and the rest of the world. We have another big race coming up. Tell me about that, Steve.
1: Oh, yes. The South Carolina 400 at Florence.
0: Yep. Late models.
1: Yes. That's going to be, the only reason why it's going to be a little bit big because of a special name that's showing up for that race. Galen Hart, Jr. Driving the number three Bath pro shop Chevrolet.
0: That's going to be very awesome. I'm
1: at this weekend, you catch that on Flow.
0: So, we got uh, drivers. Let me just name some other drivers that are in this race. Uh, we've got Landon Huffman. We have uh, Landon Pendleton, Mason Diaz. He'll be there. Justin Hicks, Connor Jones, uh, Caden Huntingcutt. What do we have here? Uh, Kate Henninger, uh, Jason Kitzmiller. Just some of these names here. Carson Voppel, There's another one. Yep. You'll see a lot of him in these races. Um we have the Barnes Brothers. Is this a bit of a preview of the Snowball Derby?
1: Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised to see Junior show up for that too. Oh, wouldn't
0: that be a barn burner? If
1: that's the case, we gotta take that tri- uh, trip up there.
0: Drive all the way up to Pensacola. Screw the final exams. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, they have some support races. I think they had like the the trucks, stock, super stock trucks, and some of these other things. It will uh, put the fans to entertainment this whole weekend. It should be fun to watch. No doubt about that. Um, if anything, if that North wilkes race where Dale Jr. ran it wasn't um, popular enough, then this one, I don't know, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal to watch.
1: Hey, there's a guy in that's going to be take part in their truck uh, race. Lim- uh, Limited late models, actually. From Miami, Florida.
0: What's his name? Josh Dickens. Josh Dickens. All right. Should be fun to watch. Um, definitely get your full racing account set up if you don't have them already. Um, and stream them to your friends because you just can't use the same account from two different devices at the same Come time. Come
1: on. We can't support pi- piracy
0: here now. But- uh, yeah, we got to be school safe. This is Apple radio studio after all. I know this isn't about racing, but because... We are about to, uh, uh, because we're about to uh, uh, end the show, I want to just do this for a second. I want to, uh, just for fun, because I know this isn't a football show, but this weekend we have the 109th Gray Cup. The championship game for the Canadian Football League. Who do you have winning the 2022 Grey Cup? I, do we have the 11 and 7 Toronto Argonauts or the two-time defending champion 15 and 3 Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Sunday, who do you have? It?
1: I don't know because I don't watch Canadian football.
0: <laughs> I hardly watch it, but my friend Justin, as you guys know from our uh, co-host from our World Race Media YouTube channel days, he got me into the sport, and I'm hooked. I'm supposed to
1: get you... Okay, if that's the case, if you got you hooking in Canadian football, then we're supposed to get you into hockey now.
0: I've already played. Too late! <laughs> but, all right. Do you guys want to see an upset, or do you want to see a uh, dynasty? Or a close game like last year, when Hamilton lost again on the same day. Two Hamiltons, Lewis Hamilton and the Hamilton Tiger Cats, lost the championship at the last minute in the respective sports. Last lap in Formula 1, overtime in the CFL. I got Winnipeg. I think it – and plus we have a, we have a few FAU players, alumni, on that team. So we got a pull for them. Yeah, I can
1: understand you on that
0: one. Well, it's going to be a barn burner in Regina, Saskatchewan, that's for sure. But I think that's it for now. Um, you guys enjoy your weekend of NFL and CFL and all those other sports, hockey and – Whatnot. This is the end of the Bullet On Podcast. I just want to thank all my partners from World Racing Media and the FAU Owl Radio Studio for allowing me to do this. And on my birthday, 24 years young, I'm getting old. Happy birthday, Joshy. Joshy, I guess is my new name. Thank you, Steve. Or unless we're going to call you Josh. Sebastian, whatever your name is.
1: Or we're going to call you
0: Joey or Joey. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening in for the Bowling Line podcast. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes, especially during the off seasons. Now we'll have some special uh, guests in some new formats. You guys are going to love all this. Thank you so much for listening along and tuning in. Have a good one. Owl Radio is FAU's student run radio station streaming worldwide on fauowlradio.com. We have shows, DJ on campus events, give away free concert tickets, and more. Make sure to check us out on social media at FAU Owl Radio.